The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Friends, welcome to the last happy hour for the month of March. Now, I'm fully aware that life is a bit crazy right now. That might be an understatement of the year. I know that every single day there is more news about COVID-19 than how it's affecting you and the people that you know and the businesses around you and your community and your churches. I know for some of you, you've been quarantined and you're feeling really alone. I want you to know that we are here for you at the happy hour to bring a smile to your face. We're going to continue to make episodes. We're going to continue to release them. And our hope more than ever is that as we bring you these shows that obviously we recorded these before all of our lives felt this uncertain, but we want you to be encouraged through them. We want you to see God in all of them. We want them to make you smile and potentially laugh through them as well. Today's show is with my friend, Jen Fulweiler. Jen and I met a while ago. She actually lives in Austin as well. And I've been so ready to have her on my show and introduce her to you guys. I've been a guest on her radio show many times and love every time I get to hang out with her. On today's show, we talk about how we need to be people who are active in doing what brings them joy and energy. Jen talks about this concept in her newest book, Your Blue Flame, Drop the Guilt and Do What Makes You Come Alive, which releases later in April. But she talks about how this blue flame is in all of us and how it can be different for all of us, but it is still ours and it still matters. Jen is a comedian, and she might be the very first actual real comedian on my show. I mean, a lot of the ladies that come on my show are super funny, but this is Jen's career. So we talk about her comedy tour. We talk about how she jumped into following her passions, and you're going to love to hear how she's chased a dream. And then we also talk about grief, which there's not one of us that's listening to the show that has not walked through grief in our lifetime. And Jen shares honestly how she's doing since the sudden death of her father last year. Before we get to Jen and I's conversation, I have a big announcement I want to tell you. This is exciting. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen me talk about it this week, but if not, I want to let you know that we are releasing a new video teaching series, and I am so excited about it. Right now, we need some good news, right? And so this is good news for us. I launched a six-week small group video teaching series We launched it this week for pre-orders. It's called Your Story Matters, and it's the practical conversation and teachings that will guide each of us to share our stories within our community. If you've listened to me for long enough, you know that I believe that stories have the power to change the world. We need one another to join together, to laugh and to learn and to share and to be inspired from. So visit jamieivy.com to pre-order this teaching series. When you pre-order, you'll receive a bonus video on how to share your story with your spouse, where Ann and I sit down together and talk about what this was like for our relationship. So I really can't wait for you to join me through this teaching series. We're going to launch this on April 13th. We'll start together. I want you to do it with your girlfriends. I know that life looks a little bit different right now for gathering together. We're aware of that, which is why... We're going to come up with great ways for you to still do this together with your community, even if you have to be home. Each week, you'll get a video teaching from me, plus a downloadable workbook that you can do together with your friends, or then you can do alone and then gather with them. I'll be joining with you during our six-week study in a Facebook group that will do just for us that are doing it. So seriously, reach out to your girlfriends, your cousins, your sisters, your neighbors, whatever. Set up a time to join us as we learn how to share our stories through the lens of the gospel. Go to jamieivy.com for all of the info. Okay, here is my conversation with my friend, Jen. Jen, welcome to the happy hour. I am so excited to be here, Jamie. This is amazing. <laughs> it is the happy hour, and I'm so glad you're here. The only thing I make this better, and I say this all the time, if we were actually having happy hour, but, you know, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's well. Ra- and I, 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 I'm open to all ideas. Like, let's not take, actually here, I have a flask in my back pocket. I'll just take this We out. both have jobs to get to. <laughs> right. um, thank you for coming in so much down here. Now, I can't remember, and I should have asked you this before we started recording. How did we meet? 
Where did we meet? I don't know. And we just always known each other. I've since been the on your show, like yeah. for a thousand times, and I love it. Yeah, maybe that was. Did we run into each other at an event? Who I mean, knows? Yeah. Okay. We so, live, both live in Austin. Yeah. We both write books. We both host. I don't host a radio show, but that's that's the best way I explain podcasts to people who don't understand. They're like usually older people. Nothing against older people, you know. But it's a new thing, right? And so, like, yeah. so how do I listen to your podcast, or what is it? I'm like. It's like a radio show. That's right. what I always yeah, say. Like, think radio think show. Think radio, but, right. but you need to subscribe and you can listen whenever you want. Right. And they're like, subscribe. So do I pay money? <laughs> is there a low monthly fee? <laughs> like, it's like, free. No. It's free. It's free. Uh, but you host a radio show every single day. Every day. Two hours a day live. And no co-host. I, I don't like play music or anything. It is me talking smack two hours a day. It is talk radio. Talk radio. Which is so funny because I love coming on your show. Because so when you do other radio shows, like I used to work in radio, um, and when you go on radio, you literally talk for like two minutes, and then there's like commercials for five and three songs, and then you talk for a minute and a half. <laughs> right. You can't even talk yeah, about you anything. Can't have any right? We we go long when you're on my show, and, and it's I great. Love and that's it. that's one of the things I love about talk radio is you can really go. At least on my show, you can really go into depth on things. How long have you been doing that show? Five years. Okay. And how'd you get into radio? I don't even know this. Stumbled backwards into it, Jamie. The, Sirius XM recruited me when I was on a media tour for my first book. And I still have an email. I should put this on Instagram. I did not know this. I should, yeah. So they sought me out. And I said, I should screenshot this email. I said, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in radio. I'm an author. I don't do live media. And they said, we will not take no for an answer. I had Sirius XM executives fly down to Austin and and it's funny it actually didn't go well my husband just wasn't sure how this was going to be and he ended at one of our nice Tex-Mex restaurants here in Austin he ended up um just kind of I don't want to say yelling at them but that we had a disagreement on what that would even look like I mean I did everything that you could do to tank this opportunity to work at SiriusXM, but I guess it was meant to be because I somehow ended up. On I there. would like freak out if SiriusXM called me. Right, I know. Well, I I don't know where my head was. I was like, well, that I just don't do. Could I talk that much? I don't know if I could. I don't know if I'm interested in this. I, and this is actually a good lesson for everyone that I had it in my head that I was an author and I was like, that's all I want to do. I just want to write my books, leave me alone with this media stuff. But then when I took a step back and said, maybe I'm being too rigid here. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm clinging to a season that is ready to evolve. I mean, I still write books, but maybe I'm called to go on to the next step in my life. And when I considered that, I thought, oh, well, Maybe I actually should step into this. But yeah, I turned Sirius XM down like three times. I, I can't like, believe it. Leave me alone. I don't want to do this. Which we're going to talk about something later, which makes me think of you having to figure out how to say yes and change the season. You're doing, you're, you're still evolving, which uh -huh. we're going to get there. You're still evolving into something crazy, new, out of the box, amazing. We're going to get there. Everyone hold up. But you had to do this already to learn how to evolve. Right. I guess that was sort of my lesson in take a step out in faith when I, I didn't have training or anything. Do you remember your Jamie? first day on the radio? Oh, are you kidding? Do I remember my first day? I was terrified. I did. Now I have a studio that I do from my own studio, my office. You've been there. Yes. And, but, but they sent me down to the Austin Sirius XM studios that at the time it wasn't really set up to broadcast from there. I had some guy, I still don't understand who he was <laughs> standing there and just staring at me for the entire broadcast. And Jamie, I didn't have any training. I don't know how. I, like, I, I don't know how you train did this. Me. I'm, they just send me live, and I and keep in mind, I did not even have a podcast. I went from the writing world to being live on a national. This is a national format. This is a train wreck, is what it sounds it was like. A train wreck. I can't it believe they threw you into the wreck. wolves. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so, so you probably funny. came in with tons of material though, because you're like, I'm going to be ready. Not enough. I didn't know how much <laughs> I need, you know. And I would, I'd be reading my notes like. And next, I think that we should talk about, <laughs> it was a disaster, Jamie. It was a disaster. Now, when I go into your studio, you can be listening to the producer, talking to me, Instagram storying and typing an email at the same time. And you put on like a, a phenomenal show. <laughs> well, yeah. When you do it two hours a day, day after day after day, you, you, you find some systems there. I loved my time in radio, but again, I was on a show where you have two minutes of content right. with four people in the room, right? Three songs. 
three at, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I loved it so much. And so I think that's why I love going to your show. Cause it is, there's a different intensity to be on your show than being on a podcast. Right. Right. It is. Yeah. With, there's something about being live and you've got that national audience. It just ups the energy. And then you, you know? hear in your ear 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, I got this. I can do this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause you're talking to the studio in New York and it just, it all feels, it, it feels very official. But you know, I think there's a lesson here, Jamie, that what I, I think it's interesting that I was not good at radio at all when I first started, but I stuck with it because it felt like something I was meant to do. And I do like to put that out there because I have to say, I'm proud of my show now. I think it's a really solid show. People should look up the, I release a free podcast that's highlights. People can look up when you were on there. It, you, you're so great, by the way. You're such a great guest. But so I, I'm very proud of my show now. I was not good when I was started, when I started. And so I think the lesson is if you're meant to do something, stick with it, even if you really suck at it when you yeah. first start. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I listened to my first couple of episodes of this podcast <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, please, people tell me I started at the beginning. I'm like, oh, you're hold no, on. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, not the beginning. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Start at 50, guys. Right. Um, but also I think it says a lot about them seeking you out, that they saw something in you that you didn't even see in yourself. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe it's I like mean, they to, had to have. Maybe it's like to have the humility to trust in other people. If someone else is saying, hey, I see something in you, I think a lot of us were so insecure that we say, no, no, I don't think I have that. Yeah. I would have saved everyone a lot of time if I had just shut up and listened and yeah. said, all right, you say you see something. I'll in try me. It. Tell me more about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. Well, how do they listen to your show anyways? So at how do how does who like people who are listening? Anyone oh, yeah. listen here? How yeah, they listen? if they have a Sirius XM subscription, I'm on channel 129. I am live from two to four east. That's eleven to one Pacific. And like I said, I release a podcast. It's not like a nice fancy podcast like yours. It's highlights from my show. So if you don't have a Sirius XM subscription, just search for my name, Jen Fulweiler. It's called Jen Said What, or you can find that on any podcasting app. And those highlights are totally free. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Okay. We we just skipped right over all the kinds of introductions. So I <laughs> like take, take a step back. Who are you? <laughs> jump in, jump back and tell everybody, we know you have a radio show, but tell us all about you and your kids. Snip it before we get into our interview. All right. Snip it. Uh, people, a lot of times they find it interesting. I was born and raised atheist, uh, like super atheist household. And I came to faith and I have six kids. My husband and I are both only children. Which I did not know that until this book and I, or something told me that. And I think that's just crazy. Yeah, we're crazy. And um, my kids are ages six down to 15. And do you want me to go into the, this big thing or are we saving that? No, we can, no, let's save it. Let's save it. Let's okay. save it. Okay, so you have you have six children, which is kind of a lot these days. Well, you know, you've got a lot I of kids. I have four, yeah. which is so funny. I'll meet people with five kids. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you do it? And I'm like, it's like having a friend over. It's like right. easy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I do think you can answer this for me. Once we got to like four. Yeah. Any of your kids can spend the night. I don't care. It does not change the dynamic of our house one bit. It Exactly right. A mom said to me early on, she said with numbers of kids, there's one, there's two, and there's more than two. And after you get to the more than two point, it just doesn't matter. Like yeah. it's all, it's all, there's so much noise. It doesn't even make a it, difference. It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. Right. Okay. So you have, um, how many books have you released by the way? This, the new one is my third. Okay. So I don't have the first one. Right. I only have the second. What was yeah. the first one called? The first one is my conversion story. It's called something other than God. Funny thing about that. Cause it's based on the CS Lewis quote where he says the whole story of human history is man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. But sometimes atheists will buy the book and they'll go give me a one-star review on Amazon. They're like, I thought this book was about something other than God. No, it's actually about God. I hate this book. Oh no. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Okay. So something other than God and then One Beautiful Dream. And then right now, which actually is just released, is Your Blue Flame. Drop the guilt and do what makes you come alive, which I'm excited to talk about this. So I can't decide where I want to go first, Jen. If I want to do The Blue Flame or what you're doing next, and I think they go together. So let's jump in. What is The Blue Flame? The blue flame, well, the concept of the blue flame, as I define it, is it's this passion that you have been given. I think it's a God-given gift that you were meant to use. And people say, I don't have a blue flame. No, you do. We all have a blue flame. And it might be something big, like you're meant to change the world through your public speaking or starting a business. Or it might be something that looks small to the outside, like you're supposed to take some flowers from your garden and arrange them beautifully and bring them to your elderly neighbor. So it doesn't, I, I always encourage people, dream 
big or dare to dream small if that feels more right for you. Small to what the world would say. To what the world would say, right? Because that's huge to your elderly neighbor exactly. if you do that. Yeah. Exactly. And so everyone has a blue flame. And I really believe that you are doing the world a disservice. It's not fair to the world if you talk yourself out of using this gift. Okay, so I have a question for you. In your book, you say this, and I want to talk, I want to dive in with this. You say your blue flame is something you do, not who you are. So some people say like, oh, well, my blue flame is being a mom. Yeah. I would say that the role of parent or really any relational role is really too sacred to conflate with work with the something that you produce and add to the world. So I would say you can't have a blue flame of being a mom any more than you can have a blue flame of being a niece. These are about relationships and these are very sacred roles. For example, a friend of mine who initially said her blue flame is being a mom, she realized she's really into home organization. That is her blue flame. And let's say something happened in her life that she was not able to do home organization anymore. She'd still love being a mom. She'd still love being, she'd still love her kids. These are two separate things. That wouldn't change. That wouldn't change. Do you think that sometimes people maybe would say that because they haven't investigated, is there something more there? Right. Or they just, I I mean, I remember feeling this when I was a young mom, that it was like, that was my thing now, was motherhood. And it was a big part of my life, but there was also more inside of me. So I'm wondering if people who feel that way, A, they haven't taken the time to investigate, or B, well, what's my B? I don't know. I was just wondering, like, why, why was I thinking that as a young mom? You know what I think it is, Jamie, is we live in a culture that says that you are not fully checked into your role as mother if you have any interests outside of your children. Okay, and, yeah. I, and I had the same instinct. I was so desperate to be a good mom. I thought, oh, I better not pursue, you know, at that time my blue flame was writing. And I was like, oh, I better not pursue that because that would mean that I don't fully love my kids if I'm thinking about this outside of motherhood. So so I would have I would have been one of those people who said, oh, my blue flame is being a mom because I saw these things as being in competition with one another. And I had this huge epiphany where I realized these things are not in competition. In fact, they are complementary. When I discover my blue flame and I use it, it is inspiring to my kids. It gives me more energy that I can share with my family. And by the way, that's one of the hallmarks of a blue flame is it gives you energy when you do it. Because I would have well-meaning people say, Jen, you're, you're writing, you're working on this book when you have all these little kids. Why would you add more work to your plate? And what I couldn't articulate at the time was, this doesn't feel like work to me. This is like taking an energy pill and an antidepressant all rolled into one. Right. I love it. It gives me energy and my whole family is better for it. And so it was when I realized that these two things enhance each other. Using your blue flame enhances your motherhood or being a wife or being a daughter, whatever relational roles it is, that I had the confidence to say, you know what, I I'm I can explore these gifts outside of my role as mother. It's not draining. It's not draining at it's all. It's going to actually bring energy yeah. into your life. I had a friend, I talked about this already on the show, so I won't go into depth, but I had a friend recently asked me what if I had any hobbies. And I remember thinking, hobbies? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't, can't think of a hobby right, in my life. Right. And she encouraged me to find a hobby. And I was like, well, like work. She said, not work. She yeah. said a hobby. And it got me, th- I've been thinking about it a lot. This happened in October and I'm still thinking about it. And I still don't have a hobby yet, just so you know. But I did say, I was like, well, maybe walking in my neighborhood could be like a hobby because it actually fills me up. But you found that through blogging when you had young kids. I did. And I would say, I don't know, it, I don't know that you need a hobby if you are lucky enough to do work, work in the sense that I mean that it's bringing in an income and it's help paying the bills. If you do work that uses your blue flame, I would suggest you don't need a hobby. I think that we've traditionally categorized hobbies as something that you do to build up your energy reserves when you're exhausted from your day job. But if you are lucky enough to be using your blue flame in your day job, I would say that that's your hobby. I mean, it's all rolled yeah. into one. Oh, that's good. I like that. Now I don't feel so bad. Yeah, I don't think you you're do helping hobby, me out, Jamie. Jen. This is your hobby. We're, I mean, we're, I'm watching you do your hobby. I looked at I, this is I love my job. I say it all the time. I love my job. I looked ahead of my week. I guess 
yesterday was Monday. We were recording on a Tuesday and it was President's Day. So all the kids were out. And my assistant sent me a message. She's like, I hate to interrupt all your writing. I was like, what writing? The kids are out of school. Like, <laughs> right, how am I yeah, doing my life? Right. But I looked ahead at my week and I thought, I love the upcoming week. I've got five great interviews. I get to travel and speak. I'm working on a project. I mean, it's just, I do. I love my job. Right. I love my job. And I don't think that you need a hobby because you you feel so filled up by the work that you do most days. I mean, I know most we all have for bad sure. Days. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I just don't think that there's a place in your life for that. I don't think it's needed. I love it. Okay, let's transition to your life. All right. This is so fun because I've been on your show a handful of times. Let's say three or four, whatever. I remember like the second time you told me that you were about to do something really, really, really big. You were one of the very first people I told. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I felt really special. Yeah, yeah, you were. It's funny that the timing, were, you were there. I and was I there, was, yeah. And, I, and you're someone I really admire. I follow your career closely. You're such a savvy businesswoman, but then you also can do the public face stuff, the podcast, the speaking. So I thought I was so excited when I realized that you would be in my studio so that I could tell you the big news. I was so excited to hear it because I, what I saw when you told me that was, um, a woman excited about something ahead of her, a woman excited about something scary. And this is why when you talked about the radio coming after you and you say no, and you had to learn to evolve. I'm like, this has been your story for the last, what, year and a half, two years, maybe. Well, since I started at SiriusXM, really, yeah. five years ago. But I mean, yeah. in this new thing oh, that you're yeah. stepping into. With, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, this yeah. is like, you're having to totally re-evolve and step out and make crazy steps. And so what you told me when I came in that day was that you were going to start doing stand-up comedy. And at that point, I think you told me you were going to do a tour. I did. <laughs> Can you believe it? What am I? Right. This is the best. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and okay, so what had and happened? And my first thing was, I've never met a stand-up comedian. This is awesome. Yeah, neither did I, Jamie. So that's <laughs> what that made two of us. <laughs> okay, so I want to go back before even that. Stand-up, like comedy. Where, tell me where this has even come up in your life before. Why is this a thing for you? I, I All I can say is that it was a God thing. It is the weirdest thing. I've always appreciated stand-up comedy as a writer. And again, that's my background. I love the art of it but it looked terrifying and it never, never occurred to me to do it. It just didn't occur to me for, I didn't feel like I'd fit in at the traditional clubs. A lot of these comedy clubs maybe are in, it might be in a bad part of town or I just didn't, I felt like I would walk in and feel like an outsider and it just never occurred to me to do it. And I had just been really reflecting after my last book came out, I felt a little bit lost and I felt like there was something next, but I didn't know what it was. And I was in this really difficult place of, not knowing what it was. And and I was really in kind of a lot of angst about it. And I just had this thunder and lightning moment. It's the only moment I've had like this in my life where I had an epiphany and I didn't literally hear the voice of God, but it was pretty close. And I, and I don't know if God speaks like this, like go down to the comedy club and do comedy. Because <laughs> I mean, if you hear some of the other comedians that you end up hearing, hard to imagine that that's yeah. where the Lord would be leading me. But nevertheless, uh, I went down, I tried it. I did. Wait, oh, no, stop, stop, yeah. stop, stop. We can't, you can't, yeah. you cannot gloss over what you yeah. just said. You just took yourself down to a comedy club yeah. and said, I'd like to be on stage. Uh-huh. There were. Do you have to pay to do that? No, there were 20 people going up and three of them were women. I mean, this is Mrs. Maisel. Remember how? Yeah, yeah. She right. just gets keys, right. putting it back just, in the back, in the back, right. in the back. Okay. Right. So yeah. they have. Tw- like no women in this scene. So I they have mean. 20 comedians going up that night. Three of them are women. Yeah. Where were you in the lineup? I was about in the middle. And these how many people were were out there? Oh, like eight people at a dive bar, which actually makes it worse. I mean, small crowds are harder. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't know anything about. And how much time do you have? I only had that time. I think they were doing six minutes. Oh my god! Which is forever, by the way. It feels like forever when you're up there because if you're bombing, you do have to fill that time because the MC is not ready to take over. You can't walk off. So you can't. No. And so, six minutes doesn't sound like a long time until you are trying to tell jokes and no one is laughing. And you have to sit and just keep talking to a silent room, and you know that Jen, everyone is, me out. is getting more uncomfortable. And like now they hate you because you're making everyone feel weird, and you're like dragging down the whole room. The person behind stuff. you hates right. you, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And then the person, and these are a lot of pro comedians do these. So a lot of these guys were pros, and they're like, "Who is this random woman? Why is she here? She just killed the crowd." Yeah. 
Because pro, because pro comedians will go in and do their yeah right do yeah because that's how they test out their material. yeah yeah okay and so I killed the crowd for the guy behind it they they hated it was it, awful you did oh, awful it, actually the first night I did okay but the, I actually got a couple of laughs not good but I did okay but then I kept going back there were a couple of nights and I would be at like the big comedy club in Austin and I'd manage to talk my way onto a stage and I mean like you could hear glasses clinking in the background people clearing their throat and I'd be like okay well have you guys ever how about the time that and like no response like silent I wanted oh oh here's the worst Jamie you know and so you know how you get better you film it and then you You sit down and watch it with people you trust and you watch it with them and you say what went wrong can you imagine the horror of watching video, hearing your voice, hearing like the one guy who groans uncomfortably in a silent room where people should uh-huh. have been laughing? Uh-huh. It's it's the most humbling thing I've ever done in my life. When was that? Two years ago? So that Yeah, that was two years ago. Uh, you w- come a long way. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, just night after night after night, I just slogged it out. And by the way, I have a spreadsheet. I have an Excel spreadsheet of the jokes that I get, uh, the jokes that I do and the response that they get. So I was very analytical about it. I actually ran regressions and did graphs. <laughs> this is hilarious. Because I had to ramp quickly. I didn't have the benefit of having years and years. like uh, some Material. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's my question. Why? Why did you keep going? Like this would have been to me, it would have been like, okay, God, I feel like God tell me to try this. I tried it like six times. I suck at it. I'm done. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was meant to do. It was like how I kept sucking at radio, but I felt like I was supposed to do it. I, I said, there's something here. I did get laughs the first time I went up and I, I, I just said, there's something here. And then here's the other thing. I started to watch these other comedians. I'd be hanging out at these comedy clubs. And I said, first of all, I love these guys. They're so great. The comedy they're doing is so great. And I see a couple of things. There are no women in this world, even among the pros, maybe especially among the pros. Pull up Netflix specials. Yeah. Most of them are by men. Uh-huh. And the women who are out there, I, I love them. I'm, I'm big fans of a lot of the top female comedians. I, I'm a big fan of theirs. But- they're, they don't have a life like mine. They don't have lots of kids. They're not living in the suburbs, driving minivans. My comedy is pretty clean. You know, I'm not dropping F-bombs, uh-huh. doing graphic sex stuff. And I respect some of these comedians who do that, but I couldn't pull up that Netflix special like with my neighbor who I don't right. know very well Like because I, I don't know what she's offended by. That would just be weird. And I said, I just, I know my fans and I know that they have a lot of struggles. And I know that we have so many people who are out on the speaking circuit and offering really encouraging content like motivational speeches and and ministry. And I said, but I don't I don't see anyone in our world who's just making them laugh. Mm. Who says, here's an event and it's actually not spiritual enrichment. It's not going to motivate you. I'm just going to make you laugh. And when I saw how much it meant to me to sit in those clubs after a long day and be like, that comedian was so good. And for his 10 minute set, he made me forget about my problems mm, for a minute. Yeah. And I thought, I want to do that for my fans. I want to be that person for my fans. So that's what kept you going. That's what kept me going. Is I like I thought of my friend, she's raising two special needs kids with severe special needs. And I thought, he's but she's cool. Like she's fun. You know, she likes to have a good time, but she doesn't want to watch the super vulgar stuff. I'm like, what can I Who's do for her? Who's yeah. entertaining her after she's had it? Like her home healthcare person didn't show up. Her kids require 24-7 care. Who is entertaining her at, at the end of a long day? Nobody. And I would think of her every time I bombed and I walked off the stage and the comedy club motors obviously hated me and hope they never saw me again. Like I was like, I won't quit because I will find a way to do good comedy for her. Wow. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. 
If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So you had that person, and you saw a hole in the market. I mean, ba- yeah, yeah, I mean right. basically yeah. what you're saying that, too, is there's nobody filling the spot. I am a businesswoman. I know. I, mean, I like, like this. Well, I might be able to make an income here because like no it. one else is doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, so you keep going, you keep going, but then you go even further. You're like, I'm not just not going to do comedy clubs in Austin, which I'm trying to think of the last time I've been to a comedy club. I need to come see you. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, oh, yeah. I think the last time is before I was married. I don't think Aaron and I have ever been to a comedy club before. Right. I need to come well, out. Well, by see- the way, that's one of the reasons I started booking theaters. Instead of, I have, when I do my tour, I don't do comedy clubs. I do theaters because I know a lot of my people are maybe less familiar, less comfortable with the comedy club scene. So I'll hit the theaters. I love it. And okay. Yeah, so they're you, more familiar with Okay. That. You just brought up the tour. Oh, you decided. <laughs> you decided. Yeah. I'm going to take this thing on the road. Yeah. You don't have a promoter. No. You don't have an agent. Nope. You don't have a marketing company. No. You don't, don't have, have a light person. Sound you don't person. have a light person, sound person. You don't have a bus. Nope. You don't have any of it. I have nothing. You have six children and a husband. <laughs> right, right. I have me, myself, and I. <laughs> yeah. And my husband and my six kids. And so you decided I'm going to take this on the road. Now, you said you're a businesswoman, and this scares me. For I mean, we're past this, so we, right. there's, there's light on the other side of the tunnel. But from a business standpoint, that's scary to think about, even not just even for your craft, but you're going to take on all the burden of a tour. Which, in case you don't know, that's a huge burden. If you're listening, when you see someone go on tour, whether it's a book tour or, I don't know, Coldplay, it doesn't matter what size it is. Someone's taking risk. Someone's taking a risk on that. And usually, it's not the person on the stage. Right. But for you. For me, it was. And and the other problem I had, Jamie, so I decided to do the tour when I actually started doing well in the comedy clubs. Because okay. I, I always said, there are some people who have public platforms and they'll say, hey, I'm doing a quote unquote comedy tour, but it's really just them sort of telling funny stories that their fans might like. I'm in this to do traditional stand-up comedy that even people who aren't already fans would enjoy. So I said, I won't tour until I am making the Austin clubs who don't know me laugh. Okay. And that started happening. I started doing very well at, at these clubs, especially as one of the few female only clean comic on, on the mm-hmm. whole line. And it wasn't just your friends there is what you're no, saying. Oh, oh no, no, th- yeah. no. This was like no, nobody I knew was yeah. there. So yeah. these are total strangers. And, and they, and I started doing very well. So I said, okay, I, I'm going to do a tour, but so I got, I got a solid hour of material, but I didn't have enough additional to also like share material on social media. All I had was that hour. You can't share it before you tour because if people know the jokes, you know, yeah, they're yeah. less funny. So I got out our family's credit card. I booked seven theaters and at the capacities I was looking at, this is not cheap. And... I d- and I did everything myself. Like I had to search for like how to find event insurance. How I found these theaters, I would Google 
rent theater in Atlanta, Georgia. And I would cold call them, Jamie. And I had a friend of mine help me. And, and it was it was her and I. And I personally signed the contracts. They they would email me like, um, could you please tell the the performer or the staff that we need their rider? And I would Google like, what is a rider? And I would like look up examples on I, I like this is amazing. I knew Jen. nothing about anything. This is amazing because wh- whoever's listening, they're probably not going to do what you did. Like the, the chances <laughs> are, we don't not. we don't I don't have a lot of right. stand up comedians that yeah, are listening. Right. They're going to plan yeah. their own tour. But I have a lot of people listening who have a dream. Yeah. And want to do something. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm even inspired because there are things I want to do that I don't know how to do and what keep that I don't know how to do them. And what holds me back is fear. Right. Uh, what if I mess up? Uh, how do I do that? And you're just telling us, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You buckle up, you use your friend Google, you put yourself on the line and you go for it. Yep. If you would have failed- Oh, which you didn't. Oh, man. If you would have failed, you would have been out a lot of money, a, a lot, lot of, of pride, money. and a lot of all kinds of things. Were you willing to take that? I was barely. I, and, I, and the, your the husband? Night, well, yeah, because, and, and honestly, the pride thing, and we would have lost an enormous amount of money if I hadn't sold these tickets. But then imagine, put yourself in my position, if this doesn't work, I have to go back to Instagram and be like, uh, you know how I made this big deal and said we're doing this tour? Uh, I have to cancel all the dates because nobody bought tickets. I have never been more scared in my life in in a professional setting, like outside of family health issues. Like I have never even come close to being as terrified as I was in the days leading up to ticket sales. I put tickets on sale at the end of July. The first event was less than a month away. Oh, so that's not, that's a, lot not of a lot of leeway, no. And it was in a small town, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's not a big town. I, 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 I cannot tell you how terrified Your first tour stop was Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Yes. Do you have a big fan base there? What's going I, yeah, on? Actually, Jamie, I'm famous in South Dakota. I'm <laughs> oh not even kidding. I walk down the streets of Sioux Falls and people stop me. They're like, that's Jen Fulweiler. And they take selfies with me. That does not happen anywhere else in the country, but I'm huge in Sioux Falls. Why? I, I've spoken there a bunch of <laughs> This is the best. Yeah. Oh, I'm huge in Sioux Falls. Yeah. I love everybody so, yeah. in the country, but I've never thought of taking right. a tour to South Dakota. Yeah. Oh, and, and they're doubly my favorite people now. They sold out that first the stop in like, Three days, like the it just sold okay. Out. So you put tickets on sale, and your first sub sold out. Yeah, oh, and then all but for those seven, all but two of them sold out, and and one of the ones that didn't, their ticketing program went down many times. It would have sold out if we hadn't had technical issues. I mean, they just sold like crazy, like tickets just flew. Like, and the relief that I felt cannot possibly be overstated. I was so, because I couldn't share stand-up. So I couldn't prove to these people that I could do it. I was asking them to take my word for it. And and then I had to find openers. And I really believe in giving people a good show. And so I got pro comedians to open for me, men. And so they're like, well, that's crazy too, that like you're having this guy who is a pro comedian who is mopping the floor with your audience. He's got a decade of experience. Like the, this one guy, he's in like, an award-winning, like has won comedy festivals yeah. comic. And and they're like, well, that's crazy to have some, a man who's so good go up before you. Then you have to follow that guy. And and I'm paying him. Like I'm personally venting my check. openers yeah. after uh-huh. the event, you know. It was a success. It was a success. It worked. So proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that. Seriously. That's a big deal. So that was last, it was 2019. Right. And then I did it earlier this year. Earlier. I, and, I, and actually, I still, I'm still sort of, slip, because I'm planning this myself, this is not This is not like Motley Crue in the 80s where I have this tour schedule, like we do this part of the country. So yeah, You're I, just I'm kind still, of throwing I still things out there. Yes. So yes. events come up. Yeah. Which you have one soon in, in Nashville. Nashville. Right. It's, it's zany. This is, this will be my first comedy club event. And okay. I, and I'm really excited about it. I know the people at Zanies, they're amazing. So it's Monday, May 4th, and I'd love for people to come out. Oh my out. gosh, how do you get tickets? At uh my my tour is <laughs> it's like when you send kids to the timeout corner, the naughty corner. I have to explain this okay. to people. Naughtycornertour.com. You really want to make sure that you put the word tour in there. Uh I've had people reject their credit card charge when they because, buy tickets. Oh my gosh. No, because some of these theaters would just put naughty quarter on it. So the wife would be like, what did you just 
charged for Naughty Corner on our credit card. Like, no, no, no. Jen Fulweiler Naughty Corner Tour is what we want that <laughs> statement to say. So go to NaughtyCornerTour.com. Tickets to my Nashville show going to be a blast on May 4th. What does Naughty Corner mean? It's like when you send kids to the timeout corner. Okay. You know, like, because you, uh, do you have a thing in your stand up about that? I do. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. That's a recurring okay. joke. Yeah, sending kids to the naughty corner. And I'm realizing that that's a bit of a regional term because people are like, what, what is the crazy name of this tour? I'm like, guys, do you have a timeout corner? Yeah, timeout. Go yeah. sit over there and timeout. Yeah, yeah. So I established that early in the show that that's, that's what the naughty corner is. So do you have a to. tour in the fall? I am working on that. Okay. I so am very, yes. You're working on yeah, it. I, Yes, I Sioux do. Sioux Falls, here you come. No, right, I know. I yeah, mean, kicking everything off in Sioux guaranteed. Falls. Guaranteed. My favorite people forever. Now, yeah, I'm very famous there. Guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I just, I love this so much. And your your book, I mean, your Blue Flame, which comes out, you know, the end of April, is just about, about you helping other women find this. What is this in your life? How do you go after it? How do you foster it? And it's okay to have fans you even talk about you know and it, I just love it I'm so proud of you yeah because what I want to say to women people are that they tend to be intrigued by my story why wouldn't you be someone doing this insane like I sort of said like it's crazy what I did with this tour and I talk about this in the book because I I wrote the book while I was planning the tour and um and and I I share everything I've learned about discovering that god-given passion that's within you and using it without fear and giving yourself permission to use it. Because that's the thing. My whole life changed when I finally said, I'm not going to feel guilty about this anymore. I'm not going to see this as a competition to my family. And in fact, Jamie, my kids bug me. Like, they're annoyed that we don't have enough tour stops on the calendar. Because you took your whole family. Go, we, not, not to every stop, okay. but, but we took them to different stops. They they help me write my jokes. They give me advice. Like And you my, homeschool. We should throw that in well, there as well. Well, one of my kids goes to school now. So we're, okay. we're, we okay. sort of do both. Um, but my kids love being part of this. It's brought so much joy and energy to their lives. It's inspired my daughters to see that they can do anything. And my kids would be really, really bummed out if I stopped doing this. And so this is the message I want to share to people is you don't have to do stand-up comedy. You don't have to do a tour. You don't, you can, again, it can be arranging flowers and taking them to your elderly neighbor. It's not about the details of what your blue flame looks like, but I do want to give you the permission to use it. And in fact, take it a step further to say, you are withholding blessings from the rest of us if you don't hmm. use your blue flame, like, like, look at your beautiful studio, Jamie, that like, let's say, let's take some like this candle that's sitting mm -hmm. here. If the designer of that candle had not used his or her blue flame to put that together, well, your life would be lesser for that. They would have been withholding a blessing from mm -hmm. you. So that's the message I want to share. You're withholding blessings from your family and from the world when you don't use your blue flame. Mm. I love it so much. I want to. I want to switch gears just for a second. Yeah. If you if you if you're Absolutely. okay with it, um, something pretty tragic happened oh, on yeah. your last tour. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can we talk about it? I would love. Let's go there. So, my Atlanta show. You know what? I've never said this publicly, but this is we, we can we can be honest on this podcast. I love it. I feel so comfortable with you. All right, my Atlanta show of the whole tour that I've done. That was my toughest stop in terms of ticket sales. That is the one that their ticketing system kept going down. And then when people would try to buy tickets, there were these pop-ups and register. Basically, it was like, it was as hard as it possibly could be to buy tickets. And you know how it is as a performer, you really stress out about stuff like yeah. that. So I had been stressed about my Atlanta event anyway. It turns out ticket sales were great. It looked sold out, even though it wasn't actually so, I mean, fast forward, it, it, it was a great full house. But at the time leading up to it, I was like, is this going to be embarrassing? We're just going to have like a few people in the front. Like, oh, this is going to be so weird. You know, yeah. I asked people to come out like my first tour. I was so stressed about it. And... So I was already really wound up about that show. Meanwhile, one of, one of my secrets to making all this work is that we have a great support system. My dad was helping us so much. He took all of my, you know, six kids, lots of activities. He was our free chauffeur. He took my kids to every single activity. He was in our house every day. We did Friday night dinners with him. And I'm an only child, you know, so we were super close. And so he had been really encouraging me in this for my Atlanta show. He was very excited about it. And my husband called me at two o'clock in the morning the night before my Atlanta show. And so I knew it was bad because he always wants me to get sleep before the shows. Yeah. And he said, your dad died. And I was like, no, that, see, I was 
that can't be right because I was just texting with him. Oh, gosh, I'm getting choked up. Um, and I was like, "That he's fine. I, there was a mistake because I was actually just talking to him. Uh, it turns out he had an internal bleeding issue. When I was texting with my dad, he'd been in the ER, but he hadn't told me that because he didn't want to worry me. And I looked, I looked at the last text. His last text to me, it was a reference to the Atlanta show, was, knock him dead, girl. Those were literally my dad's last words to me. He died shortly after that. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't cancel the show because I had people who had flown in. You know, I had actually a couple other people who were raising special needs kids, like the babysitting they had to arrange to get out to my show. I could not cancel that show. So, and keep in mind, I was the tour manager. I was, I'm the one doing sound check. I'm doing light check. I'm paying the openers. Like I'm doing everything in addition to being the performer. And I thought, okay, well, if I can get through this, if I can go do an hour of stand-up comedy and manage this event, I guess I can do anything. Was your dad sick? He was, so he had had a cancer diagnosis uh, of stomach cancer, which is bad, but he had a genetic like a genetic thing, it's called HNPCC, that causes cancers, but they tend to be treatable. So for most people, you know, you hear stomach cancer, you think, oh, that that's very, very serious. But we we were actually quite hopeful about it because it was caused by this um, disorder. Like he'd had colon cancer year, like decades ago and it was fine. So for, for his disorder, we were kind of like, oh, another cancer. Like we call that a Tuesday in this family. So we we had not been concerned about it. But it was a, and he was fine, but it was a, a bleeding issue resulted from that tumor mm. and the, the doctors couldn't stop it. So how was that for you to perform that night? Oh. Also carrying grief that you probably hadn't even fully processed. Oh, I hadn't. You know, I'll, I'll give our listeners a tip here. When you're in a moment of devastation like that, you've got to look for like the little, like sort of breadcrumb trail of blessings that will get you through. So for example, a good friend of mine, she's a regular guest on my show. She's from the Austin, Texas area. And her oldest child had, she lost him to suicide. And I'd, I'd been a big part of that situation. We talked a lot about grief randomly out of the blue. And she's on a super strict budget, but she had felt inspired to come to that Atlanta show, to fly out from Austin. And she was there. Wow. And I had been through her, not with her, not that long ago through something very difficult. And I was like, okay, this is a blessing to me. The fact that she is there and she will be in the audience and she knows what loss is. She knows what sudden loss is. She's a person of faith. She'll be praying for me. And I just saw lots of little blessings like that, that like we ended up with a lot more people there than I thought we would have. So I didn't have to worry about the ticket sale issue. And it was just one little grace after another. I clung to those to to get me through and and I just looked at it like this is bigger than me and I don't mean just this event but life in general it, it's bigger than me and there are people in this audience tonight who are really struggling and really suffering and I'm not the only one with problems in this theater and so I need to go do a great stand-up comedy set because it, this is bigger than my grief. I need to do it for that, the parent of the special needs child who took four weeks to get babysitting because they're so desperate to just have a little fun and have a break. And you know what, Jamie? I videoed all of these sets and from the first leg of my tour, uh, other than we, we filmed a special, but other than that one, it, that was my best set looking wow. back at the tape. The, the audience was literally screaming. Like they, they weren't just laughing, they were screaming. I, it was the hottest crowd the best set. And so it's just a lesson like just do what you're supposed to do. Put one foot in front of the other and you don't know how it's going to turn out. It ended up being an outrageously great show. Did you share with people what had happened before you went on or anything? No, because so I had two of the kids. We let kids in pairs come to oh, each event. I see. Two of the kids were there, but my kids were so close to my dad. My husband and I made the very, very, very difficult decision we wouldn't tell them until we all got back home and I could tell everyone in person. So my openers knew and my husband knew and my friend who was in town from Austin knew, but I couldn't say a word to anyone else. And and what's weird is I had family there, like my aunts were there, not who were, they're my mothers, they're on a different side of the family, but I couldn't even tell them because I, I couldn't. That is such a heavy oh, it was, thing to carry. And I, and I understand you had to make that decision and, yeah. and nothing wrong with that. But I'm saying that's a heavy burden to have to carry for, you know, 
24 hours. Oh yeah. And I did a meet and greet afterwards. Like it was, I just stood out in the lobby. I took selfies with fans and I'm like, this is really surreal that no one knows. Do you think your dad would have wanted you to do that? Oh, for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. Did that help you say he would not have wanted me? to right. cancel well, this. And I screenshot that last text. Yeah. She said, knock him dead, girl. I mean, and I just kept looking at that. And that was my that was my inspiration uh, to, to get through. How has grief been, you know, grief is, I think we think that grief just happens and it's over, but I think grief comes in waves. Grief, yeah. How has grief been for you and your family over the past, you know, eight months? It does come in waves. And one of the things a lot of people on Instagram have been saying is they say, wow, Jen, you're such an inspiration that you keep showing up. Like you keep, you're doing this tour and you've got this book coming out and in the midst of your grief, you keep showing up. And I always want to make it clear to people, you got to understand I'm a workaholic and I'm avoiding (laughs) my grief by doing all this. I also had signed contracts with all these theaters. So I don't know how much this was like my integrity and more like I can't can't believe the fans lose this money. Um, And so I want to make it clear, like uh, for example, my, my friend I mentioned who lost her child her grief was to, I, she just went offline. She quit everything. She did not quote unquote show up. And that was the right grief path for her. That was the right thing for her to do was to stay in bed for like six weeks, like literally stay in bed for six weeks and then check out of the world for another six months. That was the right path for her. For me, I'm always open about the fact that I have workaholic tendencies. This is how I relax, like going through my email inbox and like organizing my spreadsheets and all that. That is relaxation for me. That's how I avoid the world. And and so I will admit I've been doing a little bit of avoidance. There's like, I'm kind of like, can't think about it, can't think about it. And I've, I started seeing my therapist again so that I can That's talk good. about my avoidance yeah. issues. So I'll just be really transparent here that um, I haven't been dealing with it. I've been working all the time. And um, that is why actually yesterday I was sobbing in my therapist's office. So and that, you know, it's it. there. And it's right, gonna, yeah, yeah. And it's like, ah, like, I mean, I was just, oh, it was like the damn broke yeah, therapy yeah. yesterday. And so like for people who are workaholics like me and won't stop long enough to feel your pain, I, I think that's a, a great role that a therapist can play is to say, I'm going to force myself to sit still for an hour and actually deal with this. Because if it's not on my calendar and I'm not paying someone, I'll be on Instagram, I'll be doing email, I'll be like planning my next tour and not just sitting with this group. Yeah, yeah. It has to happen somehow. Right. A therapist will do that for you. I know. Do you know your Instagram number? Oh, oh, Jamie. If you want to know everything there is to know about me, read the description of Enneagram type three. The, the other day, someone was on my show and they're like, now you have to understand Enneagram numbers are not the sum total of who you are. And I'm like, oh, well, it is for me. There's actually <laughs> nothing more to know about me that is not encapsulated in Enneagram type three. And are you- are I'm a you, six. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what's I'm married, the hallmark to, a, I'm a married to a three. Okay. What's yeah. the hallmark of a six? Our, what drives us Yeah, yeah. Fear. What drives you? Uh, they're called like the loyalist, yeah. um, very indecisive and trusting ourselves, but oh. also like loyal like we'll yeah we are here for for our people okay um so yeah i'm interviewing soon uh enneagram person i can't wait i i yeah. like oh, the enneagram a oh, lot oh, oh. i i've i've done them all i've done all of the tests including some random ones like the berkman personality inventory what i love about the enneagram is it forces you to get honest about the bad side of things yeah like, what are you running from yeah you find that with the enneagram and for me, the, the Enneagram says, and it's totally true, what people with my Enneagram type are running from is the feeling of being worthless, of being forgotten. And and when you're just honest about that, like, okay, I do worry about being forgotten. I worry about being irrelevant, as seen as worthless in other people's eyes. I can harness that and say, okay, I can use this for good. Let's face it. If I didn't have some issues with worry about feeling worthless, I might not have booked a stand-up <laughs> comedy tour all on my own. And so I can be honest that that's there. I can talk to my therapist about it, but I can also say, you know what? Every negative thing has a positive flip side and I can explore that and say, how can I use the positive flip side of this? But the Enneagram is the only personality slicing mechanism that that I've found that forces you to admit every one of us is running from something yeah. and the Enneagram helps you identify. What well, it also is. helps in relationships because right, right. me being yeah, married yeah. to a three and having three that I work with on my team, it makes me go, I need to actually tell them 
that I appreciate them for who they are and not just what they're doing. Right. Or that they've done a good job at something. And I, that's, I'm not, that's not my best thing in life. And I've had to learn that being married to someone for 19 years who appreciates me telling them you've done a good job at your job. Right. Right. Yep. I, and, and, and I in forget because I'm like, too, right? I told yeah. are you, of course you're doing a good job. You still have a job. People like, you're great. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, but I want to be seen like that. Yeah. So it helps. I think it helps in relationships oh, as well. hundred yeah. percent. Now I did, I have had some people tell me that friends of mine who are not in the faith circle, like we live in, they're like, what's the Enneagram? Like it's not as common. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been around for thousands of years. I've had people leave bad reviews on the show. They're like, stop talking about the Enneagram. I know. I get that. I get in big trouble on my yeah. radio show. Yeah. Not with my bosses, but with I get a lot of hate mail. I, I had a guest on the other day and I wanted to talk about it, but I didn't want the hate mail. So I said, we're not going to identify the personality test we're talking about. So I'm going to call it the... Schmeniagram. There you go. And I, you did, go. I did a full half hour uh-huh. talking with this guest about this Schmeniagram. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, it's been a help for me. Again, like right. I always say with all of the personality, with anything in the world, it is not live and die by. Right. Like, Don't make it your religion. It's yeah. not your religion. It's just a helpful tool. Right. Right. I've been listening to Suzanne Stabile's podcast, which I've been listening to forever, but I was listening to one just this morning and I have a lot of listeners who have, they're either foster parents or adoptive parents, or they've been through some sort of trauma. And she has a three-part series on adoption, fostering, and trauma. I cannot recommend it enough. I'm going to listen to this episode I listened to today like five times. So there's just a little plug. Go listen to her show. So good. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. So what are you loving these days? You got three things you're loving? Yes, I do. So as uh, to celebrate the success of the tour, I bought my kids a karaoke machine. I'll just be tacky and tell people what it costs. It was $250. I didn't think that, that's not that expensive uh-huh. for what you get. Yeah. I am loving it because I I will admit, Jamie, I struggle to find things I can do with my kids that are like like board games. I die. They melt my brain. I can't do board (laughs) games. So I really struggle for ways to find family time that you can get six kids on board with. So karaoke, like we all scream our bad music and it is amazing and I love it. And okay, then I also found this mud mask from Sephora. Well, your face is um, looking good. Okay, thank you. That well, it's all it's all this Sephora. It's a, I don't remember what it's called. It's a mud mask that tingles. Just oh. look, just just search Sephora for mud <laughs> mask. You'll find it. It's so good. I absolutely love it. And then I also. Um, I, I just have this bag I love. It $30 on Amazon. I'm your tacky guest. I'm like talking about what everything whatever. costs. Like, okay, I was looking at bags that were way in a different higher price range. Got this one for $30. I love it. And and I realized that, you know, I run around, I travel a lot. The bag that I had had before, it was just like whatever the opposite of sparking joy was, mm-hmm. it was doing that because it, it was hard to find my stuff and it was causing me a lot of stress. And I found that when you can resolve those daily pain points, it it takes a lot of stress out of your yes. life. So just having a bag where like, oh, it opens easily <laughs> and I can find my stuff. Because I go to this bag like 10 times a day. I'm like, man, this is really adding a lot of value to my life for $30 on Amazon. I love so it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. What are you reading? I only read books right now about building a business. I, I see my stand-up comedy thing as a business. I've got six kids. we got bills to pay. So um, I read books about like being a CEO, organizing your business, just uh, all that kind of stuff. Can we, we're, can we do this real quick? Can you talk real quick about the value in seeing some of the things that you're, like you said earlier, your blue flame may be picking flowers and taking them to your neighbor, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That is valuable. It is beautiful. It is worth it. But your blue flame also might turn into a career. Right. And I think that's scary to women. 
Yes. It is also scary to Christians. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. Can we, this is big in my circles that like, well, I don't want to be of the world. I'm not about money. Here's the big thing. And I think this is especially true for women, Jamie. I am a better person of faith in my business when I make it about money. And here's what I mean by that. You just made some people a little sweaty in the armpits. I know, I know. And so let me explain what I mean by that. I don't fantasize about like having a yacht or a private jet. I mean, honestly, I give all my money to the poor. Like I don't have fantasies of like having the trappings of wealth. But when I look at the bottom line, it takes my ego out of it. Let me give you a specific example. I had a business opportunity that was potentially, you know, it, it just seemed really cool. It was with a cool person. And then this person blew me off. Like I thought we were going to do a deal. We were going to set up some meetings and they just stopped replying to me. And my petty, sinful, whatever you know, tendency is to be really resentful and to you know be mad at that person. But when I just went back to my numbers and said, look, does this really impact my bottom line that much? I'm trying to support my family. I've got a business to run here. I said, you know, this, this actually isn't a very big financial hit for me. So I don't, I don't need to churn all this negative energy. It turns out the person was just busy. We had a nice conversation later. And when I make it about numbers, it takes my ego mm. out of it. So let's say you're, you're selling bracelets and you're thinking, oh, you know, I might like to bring in a side income. It might be tempting for you to get really discouraged if you make some bracelets that you know you think are ugly or you think you don't have talent. But when you look at it like, hey, I set a goal of bringing in $500 a month to help pay the mortgage each month. And so it doesn't matter if I feel like this bracelet is ugly. If my sister said she didn't like it, I, I'm just going to get back at it and keep producing because I have this financial goal. It just it takes the drama out of it and it takes the ego out of it. So it has been a very mentally and spiritually healthy thing for me to make it more about numbers and not about ego and and friendship. You know, I have similar situations and stories as this, what I do, my podcast, speaking, writing, we made it like it's, it doesn't matter. It's a corporation. So I run yeah. a business over here. You know, like, yeah, it yeah, seems like, I do, yeah, I have an LLC, right? Yeah. It seems like you're just making podcasts and writing books. No, we're running a business. Right. We've got people working for us and everything. And for the first maybe two years, I'm just like doing what I do. I'm, I'm saying, I don't want to know about money. I don't care. I literally had no clue what was going on. Well, now, you know, five years in, we have meetings and we're being presented with profit and loss sheets and all the things. And it's making me care more about what we produce. Right, right. Does that make sense? It's absolutely. So I look at it and go, okay, this is not bringing in a profit. And if I if, if I love it and it does something to my soul, that's a different story. Every I love everything, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I look at something that we might do and say, this is not bringing in a profit. Then I don't need to be doing it. Right. Because there's other ways I could put my energy towards, my creativeness towards. And so it's been difficult for me, I'll admit, to get into a business mindset. I really am liking it and feel a lot more responsibility for what we produce over here. And when I think about it as a business. Yeah. And Jamie, as a mom, doesn't it help you prioritize your time? Yes. Like, cause you can say, look, this is a, this is a big financial opportunity that would bless our family, you know, more money for the college savings account. Like there would be a lot of blessings for our family. So, you know what, guys, I am going to have to be gone these extra two days. This is really worth it. But like I had sort of a cool travel opportunity come up and it, it, it was sort of cool, but I could go either way. And when I looked at the bottom line, I said, the, the finances just aren't there. So, you know what, that's an easy call for me to right. turn that down and just stay home with my family. All of those difficult trade-offs become much more clear when you're putting numbers on them. So true. My friend, you know Annie F. Downs? Oh yeah, I love okay, her. She's so great. I love Annie too, but she just did a whole thing on her Instagram stories about her yearly meeting where she does her yeses and nos. <gasps> oh, which, how did I miss that? Annie, put it on your regular feed. I it's, missed it's it It's probably in a, it's probably saved okay, in a good. highlight, but go look at that. it. I, I'll, I'll link it if it is. But um, she did it for yes and nos for her business. And a lot of people were asking questions like, could I do this in my regular life? And the answer is yes. Like you can do this. I remember doing this years ago. I read uh, Lisa Turkhurst's book, The Best Yes. Oh, I did too. Yes. It's such and a it, good book. And it was at the beginning of my career where I felt super torn because when you're first starting out, you say yes to everything because you need you the reps, you yeah. need the money, you need everything. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like $50. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. But it was killing me, you know? And so yeah. I had to I'll sit down five talks for $75 <laughs> exactly. in Saskatchewan. Sure. I'm in, I'm in. But, um, sat down and said, what are my yeses and what are my no's? And so that even helps in business and personal life and everything. And you're even having to do that now with, okay, you want to do this tour. Something has to go. Right. You know? And so, man, 
I feel like we could talk for hours about this and maybe the people listening might not care. So hours, you know what? We'll start a business podcast, like women in business. <laughs> yeah. And we'll be like, all right, what's your PL look like? This I month? Like- love it. I love it. That stuff is starting to kind of nerd me out a little bit. And I'm starting, cause I'm starting to realize I need to care. Right. Because it matters. Yep. Um, Jen, I adore you. Thank you for coming down. This Thank you for spending such, an hour with us. This is such a pleasure. I, I just admire you so much. I love everything you're doing. So it's really an honor and a pleasure for me. Well, um, I need to know where I can get on a tour stop with you because I'm, I mean, not on stage. And I'd like to announce my opener, Jamie Ivey, will be opening my show. <laughs> yeah, that's a no. That's a no. But I would like to come. I would like to be yes, in, yes, in the yes. audience. Yes. So Okay. So the, I, I always connect with people on Instagram. That's going to be the best okay. place to get all the news. Just Jennifer Fulweiler. And if you can't spell Fulweiler, that's fine. Take your best best guess. It, it'll come <laughs> it'll right come up. up. And my website is jenniferfulweiler.com. I love it. Thanks so much, Jen. It's a pleasure to be here. You guys, I cannot wait one day to go see my friend Jen on her comedy tour. I really appreciate her honest and raw style of communicating. Jen's newest book, Your Blue Flame, Drop the Guilt and Do What Makes You Come Alive. It comes out April 28th but you can pre-order that book today. I hope you're inspired by our conversation to do the thing that is yours to do and not to think that you need to do the thing that Jen does or that I do or that your other girlfriend does. We all have that blue flame that is in us and the world needs you to be you. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slockers and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Rebecca Bender. I read Rebecca's book before she came on cover to cover and loved it and could not wait to sit down with her. She has a remarkable story of escape from sex trafficking and her decision to go back to the darkest places that she had known by assisting the FBI, vice and law enforcement across the country in some of their most difficult cases, all in order to help other women find freedom. In the interview that we have, which I cannot wait for you to hear, Rebecca teaches us what trafficking in America looks like and what we can do about it. Her new book, In Pursuit of Love, which I devoured and loved, is a riveting read that will give you the confidence to pursue your own purpose and take you on a journey to places you never thought possible. Her story is truly unbelievable, you guys. Friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend. You might have to do it virtually, you guys. Talk to your friends however you can this week, whether that's a FaceTime, a call, a letter. Let's not isolate ourselves completely away from the people that we need the most. I'll see you guys next week with my friend, Rebecca Bender. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.